this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to turn for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Daubert, coming at you with another episode during the Major League Baseball All-Star break. We're recording this late on Wednesday night. All-Star game was last night, Home Run Derby two days ago. Kyle Schwarber, of course, participating in the Home Run Derby and the All-Star game. I think people thought that Schwarber was going to have an easy first round in the home run derby. And it turns out that he got knocked out by 42-year-old Albert Pujols. I guess there's not a ton of shame getting knocked out by a future Hall of Famer, one of oh, the greatest hitters of all time. There's shame. <laughs> the guy's 42. <laughs> but anyway. All right. Before we get into that, I want to introduce my co-host, Nathan, Nathan Ackerman. Nathan. How are you doing? What are your thoughts on Kyle Schwarber? <laughs> Good. Uh, I'm, I'm well. Thanks for asking. It was it was funny because like, yeah, you're totally right. He was not supposed to lose that that first round matchup. And I was at the thing myself. And it was it was funny how like everybody there was obviously rooting for Albert Pujols. But nobody really got into it until the bonus round because, like, they just thought there was no chance. So, like, even in the first round when he would hit some balls out, it was like, oh, that's kind of cool watching Albert Pujols go yard. But, like, he hit 13 homers and everybody's like, okay, this is going to be over. And then it goes in the, in the like, extra time round. And everybody's still kind of like, okay, there's no way Albert Pujols actually wins. And it was only when he started, like, rattling off. It felt like seven straight that people like really got into it. And it was just funny because everybody there was so obviously rooting for Pujols, yet it took so much for them to actually get into it because they thought he had no chance because everybody thought he had no chance. Uh, Schwarber was my pick. Like I kind of said, I would pick the field over him, but I would pick him over any individual player. Had I fully respected Julio Rodriguez and I guess Juan Soto too, although Julio was more impressive in the Derby overall. Anyway, yeah, I, I would have gone with them. But, I mean, Schwarber, like, it's it's a good all – all I'll say is it's a good thing. It means literally nothing. Yeah. Because it know, was bad. It, it's, it was nice to see um, a former Dodgers legend like Albert Pujols go out there <laughs> in, front of, in front of the home fans and put on a show of 13 home runs or whatever it was. I think you, – you didn't like this take. I think he threw. Schwarber. I think he threw. Yeah, I think he threw. I don't. I don't. His pitcher didn't throw well. <laughs> the reason I, I say I think he threw is like as soon as it ended in the bonus round, he looked very eager to like throw his bat down and bow down to Pujols, like almost too eager. It felt like he was planning on that. And I was like, you know, he just signed a $79 million contract. What's another million? He doesn't need that. So and he just looked really happy to be giving Pujols that whole moment. I think he threw. Here's my take on that. I think so. Like, obviously, a big part of that was respect, but I think, I think part of that was like everyone go give Albert respect and ignore the fact that I just lost to Albert Pujols and he's 42 years old. Like, that's that's focus also on him. Focus well, on was, him. <laughs> it was it it was also hilarious too that like 
after Pujols like regulation round all, mm. all all the players came up and gave him this massive like group hug like yeah. look at this cool thing for because I I'm pretty sure everybody thought that that was going to be their last chance to do so yes. because he had 13 overs he was done and that was that was before the bonus round actually like they, they didn't realize that he had an, an extra 30 seconds to hit mm-hmm. like at that point he had like 11 10 or 11 and everybody's like Schwarber's going to win this in a minute I, yeah. I don't think Pujols homered for the first minute or half a minute or more than a minute. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy that that happened. Yeah, that's that's kind of the beauty of the new format, though. It's not really that new at this point, but I I like the head-to-head stuff and the times. It's They took too many pitches at the end of the old format. It just got too boring. I think I think you should, like, may, yeah, maybe. I, my only problem is, like, you can't watch one ball land because you have to watch yeah. the next swing but then it's it's also dumb when you say that it has to land because then you're punishing guys for hitting moon shots yeah it's i, I don't know the, the only way would be to get rid of the timing thing but then as you said they just take a bunch of pitches but i don't know maybe, my maybe only, they'd hit longer homers yeah my only other take is um j-rod like you said that was like the best show of the night kind of like uh i guess it was 2019 like Vlad Jr. had the same kind of deal where he was probably the most impressive, but just at the end, at some point, you run out of gas, and um, he ended up losing to Pete Alonso, who I thought was gonna gonna win again uh, last year. I, last year, I kind of came up with the take that if Pete Alonso wins like eight or ten home run derbies, he should like be a lock for the Hall of Fame on that alone. So I like I was kind of rooting for that to happen because I just think it would be funny to make the case for that, but. Dude, it was so funny how seriously he was taking it. He was He's doing hilarious. his like breathing exercises in the batting cage. The, the did you see like the deadlifting in the yeah, and like <laughs> Ronald was like hits. on his phone. Acuna was like on his phone while 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 Alonzo was up. So funny, Alonzo like it's like corny, obviously, and like he looks like a dork when he's doing it, but it's funny. It's definitely the problem is the problem is I don't think he knows it's funny. Like I think that, he's being yeah. serious. And <laughs> no, he is. Like he, he is. thinks that's why it's like, funny. Yeah. Either look, there there are there are two options. Either he doesn't know that everybody is laughing at him, or he thinks everybody's laughing with him. But no, I don't think I do. I don't think he is. So the moment I like really realized that he had no self awareness when it comes to this was last I know year. exactly what you're gonna when say he, when, when he in, was when getting... he injured the kid. He injured the kid and they cut the camera and he's like bobbing his head. <laughs> Just one of the most unbelievable moments in TV history, to be honest. Yeah, but dude, that guy like I know he didn't win, but like some of the balls that he hit at the end of his round. Like he had one that cleared the stadium and then a separate one that was like 480 dead, like left center field. Like it was cool. It was cool. So I I also, I saw some takes on, I think your approach to the home run derby is it's like cool if you're just really nonchalant and it's like, I'm just here to have fun. But I also do respect if you're like Pete Alonso and you're like, no, like I'm here to like win this thing. It's the most important thing in my entire life. I think that's I just think it's funny um yeah I think as long as he wants to be in it like he needs to be in the home run derby every year it's, it's like must, uh, must watch I think that was true when he was defending a title I don't I don't think he has that right anymore I mean if if he hits a bunch of homers in the in the first half yeah right, that's fair but 
like at this point you need you need j-rod in it every year that oh, guy yeah. is dude he's amazing he yeah. is amazing and he was the first i he was the first round of the day and he hits 32 bombs like incredible yeah. and incredible. i know last thought on the the home run derby Phillies nation's johnny heller i know he was talking about this um jose ramirez batting righty for some reason why did he do that he did not look good he's a much better hitter lefty i don't understand why he would do that in home run derby he's much better power hitter from the other side yeah it was weird because i saw him come up to the plate righty and i i I just had a total moment of like i i wasn't sure like i thought i was an idiot because i was like no he's definitely a switch hitter like he he definitely is like primarily even a left-handed hitter because like basically what was the what was the last time you saw a highlight of 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 his like on quick pitch or sports center or whatever where he's batting righty like i yeah, almost forgot just... that i almost forgot that he hit righty at all i was like why well, it is would literally this? it would literally be like if if ozzy albies was in the home run not quite this level but if ozzy albies was in the home run derby and he came up lefty for some reason like, it, it, it you're much be better like... on one side why would you do that it would be like if Roman Quinn came up to the home run derby and hit lefty, because as you know, even though the eye test tells you he hits second deck bombs from the left side, he actually has more career home runs from the right side. So Roman yeah. Quinn, if you're, if you're listening, remember, if you're in the home run derby, go from the right side. Yeah. So, all right. So obviously I think we're going to, going to move on from the home run derby. Juan Soto was the one who ended up winning it. And he's kind of the biggest story around baseball right now. His the possible trade saga, as um, Ken Rosenthal reported in the Athletic, Nationals gave him an offer of about 15 years. Was it 440 million dollars, which is an average annual value just under 30? Um, yeah, for 15 years, he turned that down at some point in the recent months, and. Maybe that means the Nationals are going to trade him. And Juan Soto did, you know, just kind of stuff that he does. He goes out there and he wins the home run derby. And so his name, he's just like dominating the all-star, like the all-star break. And rightfully so. He's maybe the biggest star in baseball. Um, So just any thoughts from you on just the whole Soto saga? I mean, you think back just three years ago, 2019, where – Harper just left, but they go on and win the World Series. Anyway, they have some free agents that are in um, that help the team. Corbin's one of them. Um, But most importantly, maybe they have Juan Soto, this rising 20-year-old star who was the best hitter in their playoff run right there with Anthony Rendon. And that seemed like the guy they were going to build around for the next, I don't know, 15 years plus. And you look now and he might be on the way out as soon as this year. So just, I don't know, kind of a similar, not quite the situation with Harper, but another situation where the nationals, they have the star outfielder that they had as a teenager. They're not willing to give him the contract that he deserves and wants, and he might be out the door. Yeah. It's like, if it almost it just feels preposterous to say like yeah he should have turned down that contract but like 
like he probably should have turned down the contract yeah. 29.3 per year he can make way more than that and even if it's less like even if he takes i don't know say he takes a 10-year contract and he makes 40 million per year like yeah it's less overall overall cash but like then he's going to hit the market again when he's 33 you, like he can make he could sign another 200 million dollar contract right there like he's going to make more he's going to make way more if he if he does that and honestly the more likely thing is he he still takes a 15 ish year contract but instead of making 29 per year he's making 39 plus so and then you add in the whole thing about the team's going to get sold and the nationals are just kind of like I, not really a desirable place to play right now like what would be the what would be the upside of like the only thing it, it's like you get the guaranteed money but somebody's going to offer him like that crazy amount when he hits the market if he hits if he hits it if i mean if he gets traded this year or next year if he can get extended for more than that like it, it, it again it feels crazy to say yeah he should have turned down 15 years 440 million dollars but like it was pretty obvious in my yeah. opinion yeah, no, I completely agree. And this is a guy, like you said, he might, because of the caliber of player he is and his age, he's 23, he's going to get, like, the biggest deal in history. I think that's probably yeah. a safe In bet. terms of, in, like, in terms of everything, maybe not, maybe not AAV. Like, Scherzer's making, what, 43, something like yeah. that? He might, he, he's he could go, make he's, more. He's probably going to get the if I had to guess, because he'll probably take like a long-term contract, like he'll get the biggest sticker price that there ever has been. And yeah. he and probably I think should. there's, yeah, I think there's a non-zero chance he gets the most years, the most overall and the most annual. Like I, yeah. I like that's not I out of the realm fair. of possibility, which is, which is like, he's probably, we were talking about it before we started, but like he probably won't, end his career with the greatest stats of all time. Like he's not going to put up bond stats or like Babe Ruth stats, or I forget who have Ted, Ted Williams stats, but in yeah. terms of like watching him and not just the eye test, but also like his, his, his like approach at the plate and how smart he is and how he uses the whole field. Like he hits bombs out to like straightaway left field. And he's yeah. like, there, there are some of those crazy pieces about how he like doesn't chase a single pitch out of the zone the entire season or like in, in the lower part of the zone. Like he's incredible. He is an incredible hitter. And I, he's, he's, he's going to make so much money and he's going to be worth like basically all of it. Yeah. And so like, here's the, the other thing with this contract offer from the Nats, even if he somehow couldn't beat that offer elsewhere. Like say he, even if he takes like a slight, slight pay cut based on like this offer that the Nets gave him, which I don't think will happen. No. Why would he want to cut a deal long-term with this team that he saw tear everyone else, tear the rest of the team around him down? Like yeah. this is a guy who at the age of 20 in that postseason run, when the Nats won it all, you can think of like, three post he has like three of the top 50 postseason moments of like the last decade in the wild card game double that he got tagged out on the bases um one of the home runs off off kershaw and then the bat drop home run in the world series like this is a guy who cares about winning he can win he's like built for those kind of moments so why is he going to cut a deal for the nationals when they've not shown that 
that's any kind of priority for them at this point. It makes like, why would he want to do that? Especially when your agent is Scott Boris, who is known to take guys to free agency and has an ability to get you really big deals. Um, Did you see, did you see what the nationals did to him over, over the all-star break? The, the plane thing, dude, they didn't get him a flight. He had to fly commercial. (laughs) That's crazy. Like, dude, the learner, like, Oh, it's just so petty. Like, it's so petty. And why? That's it's such a short sighted thing to do. And I refuse to believe it was like clerical mistake or something like there's there's no way like that's your you're losing. If you're going to you. OK, <laughs> you already know you're fighting an uphill battle when it comes to keeping this this this, this generational talent. Now you're going to make him fly commercial to the all star game because he just rejected your offer, which was. Uh, also backloaded like a learner classic backload the contract to make it like dude i don't know he's and here's he's, su- he's such a dodger here's the here's the other thing such a dodger. so i am jesse doherty um of the washington post he covers the nationals um he had on twitter the other day that soto was upset that that news had gotten out so like that wasn't yeah. something he wanted looming over him over the all-star break and during this season. Um, so like through that, you have to infer that the nationals are the ones that put this info out to make him look like this bad guy to look like this greedy guy who like is forcing their hand to, to make a trade. And like you said, it's just like short-sighted stuff. It's short-sighted. Yeah. Did you see, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad for him though, because it, it, like, it is true. He goes to the all-star stuff and every questions about his future. And that's got to kind of weigh you down, but did you see during the, during the all-star game, the, the left field fans at Dodger stadium were doing a future Dodger chance. Yes. And, and, he, and, and he like smiled back at them. Dude. Yeah. He like turned around, like pumped his fist and the, the, uh, they, they, they had made the last out. And he wasn't even watching. He was like engaging with these fans. And then he turns around and everybody's jogging off the field. And he's like, Oh God, I got to get back in. (laughs) Like, I think, I think there's, there's a little bit of it sucks. And it it definitely is like, not what you want to be talking about during the all-star week, but like every team in baseball and every single fan base is going to be doing that stuff and just wants you. And you don't, you probably don't want the nationals. So it's like what, and okay. I should say, he said, I've been with Washington my whole career. It's the place I'm happy and it's the place I know. Yeah, I and I think there's that stuff. There's, I think there's, there's some to it truth too. to it. Yeah. I think there's some truth, but also he's gonna do at the end of the day what's best for him. Like yeah, Harper I think said ideally, the same stuff. I think ideally he wishes he was in Washington surrounded by the players that were with that team like three years ago. Yeah. And yeah, not this and a more stable ownership. Yeah, and more stable team organizational direction moving forward and everything but he's getting none of that and he's in washington like, I, I don't exactly know. so two he's things such here, a with soto two things with soto do you think he is traded by the this trade deadline no no and no so i'm leaning that way also but if he was and you're the phillies what is the, the biggest offer you'd be willing to put forward for juan soto so I don't think the Phillies would 
have what it takes to or be willing to do it what it takes if they were able to do this make a deal for Soto but say you're Dave Dombrowski what's the offer you're putting forward for Juan Soto I would give them Abel Ohapi Rojas Ethan Wilson and like Alec Bohm for oh, Juan that's Soto. You're, that's not getting it done that's not close to getting it done for just one soda. That's nowhere close to getting it done. And Patrick, I don't want Patrick Corbin. Okay, I would go. I would. T- I have a take on Patrick Corbin. I, I think. Look, I don't think. I they think should, some I would, team is going to eat his contract, and then he's going to be like a really good reliever. Like he's going to be like Matt Moore. He's going to stop throwing his fastball and just become a really good left-handed reliever for like a big contract. But hey, what can you do? I mean, dude, that's that's prospects two, three, four, six, and like a pretty high ceiling major league ready hitter. So the the Phillies prospects two, three, four, and whatever is not comparable okay, to like fair, some of these other fair. teams that are going to be in with their top prospects. Fair. I, I I'm just saying I would have to think about Abel and Painter straight up for Soto. I would. I would give them. I would give them if I'm Dave Dombrowski. Two of their choice of the three, two of either, let me rephrase this, two of McGarry, Painter, and Abel. Take two of the three that you want. I would put in Rojas. I'd put in Ohapi. Probably like any B-tier prospect they want there as well, like their choice of one of them. And then I would also take the Steven Strasburg contract if I'm, Dave Dabrowski and I can get John Middleton to sign off on it. I think Soto is like that good. That I don't think you're actually. Do that. I don't think you're actually doing that. Like I just I don't believe you. <laughs> Why? You're you're taking on Strasburg. You're giving. Okay, the 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 two of those three would end up being able painter. Probably. Maybe I think I think maybe there's a team that likes McGarry over able, but if whatever. If if you can promise me that you're gonna extend Soto for the next 10 or 15 years, I would probably do a lot more. But as of right now, you're ha- you have him for two and a half years. At the end of the day, like, I, I get it. He's, he's probably worth the war of, like, three players. But he is one guy. And he's hitting in the lineup one out of every nine times. You're going to trade Abel and Painter, who are going to be taking the mound two out of every five days and could be really, really good, plus – Logan Ohapi, who is like maybe your catcher of the future, Rojas, and you're taking on Strasburg's contract, which is an albatross. I don't think you're actually doing that. I and I don't I don't think it'd be smart for two and a half years, two and a half years when you know you're actually gonna get it. So like you said, with it's maybe your catcher of the future, and hopefully they're taking the mound two out of every five days. It's like you're sure. getting a, you're getting like a surefire superstar, like a Fine. slam dunk superstar, but for in the two flesh and a half years for two and a half years. Well, then you just have to give him the best contract. It's not, in baseball, it's you not, just it's have not to give like, him It's not like the NBA where it's um, you know, a lot of times you really have to do be in the right city to get big free agents. Like baseball, a lot of the time, if you just there's since there's no uh, salary cap. She's got to beat other teams' offers, and you're going to get the best player available. You just got to give him the best contract, and that's all. That's all it really takes. So, what would you do with like with with more emphasis on 
major league ready talent? Like, are you giving up like Nola plus for Soto? Nola Boom. I don't, but I don't see why the, I don't see why the Nationals would want that in their current state. Like what, what would they do with Aaron Nola? Probably not much. Yeah. But they're going to want something close to a sure thing. That that's, that's part of why I don't think he's going to get traded because you're going to need a team that's willing to give up like literally maybe all of its top five prospects, but the nationals are probably going to want something close to a sure thing. Those two things. It's hard. It's hard to match. It's hard to match that. If you're a team. Yeah. um, How many teams trying to make up for it? Yeah. How many teams out there right now have both the prospect capital to be able to get that done and are like in a, in a, in a spot in, in, in the majors where like he would put them over the top to being a world series favorite. I can think of two off the top of my head. Three. It's like Do- Dodgers, Dodgers, Yankees, Padres, Yankees, and maybe the Mets like on the fringe, maybe, the, maybe the Mets, but they don't, they don't yeah. have the farm system that those other teams do. It, it depends like how the nationals like Alvarez, like on the Mets. I don't know. It's tough. It's just, it's it's hard to meet like a trade like that because players this good and this young with like three years of control left two and a half or whatever, they don't get traded like this. (laughs) They really don't. But that said, if the nationals are not confident, they can, they can keep him, they can extend him long-term. They have to trade him as soon as they can, don't they? That's an extra year worth of Juan Soto yeah. in prospects that you're that you're getting back. So maybe it does happen. I don't know. I just yeah, like if you're, I think if you're I think they Rizzo would be more with the Nats. You're probably inclined to try to trade him as soon as you can. Yeah, yeah. If you know you're not going to be able to get the deal done, like, and that's coming from above you. Nuts. It's I tough. can't believe it. I mean, I I totally can believe it got to this because it's the Nationals, but like, yeah. All right. Speaking of trades, trade deadline coming up uh, here at the beginning of August, I believe August 2nd is the trade deadline. The season pushed back a little bit because of the lockout. The Phillies are going to need some reinforcement on this team at some point. I wanted to get your thoughts on what is the biggest target, the position, the type of player they need to go after at the trade deadline this season yeah i think is a starting pitcher and zach eflin is a big reason why he again is having problems with his knee that looks like it might be a setback or whatever it's i we can talk about eflin at a different time but at this point i don't know how you can really commit to re-signing him or extending him when literally every year in the middle of the season it's the same exact thing so but anyway yeah and then ranger suarez looks good kyle gibson looks looks good but or, you know, looks good for, well, he's actually been very good last two starts, like 13 Mm -hmm. innings, one run, something like that. But again, it's, it's the depth thing popping up. And I don't know if you want Bailey Falter starting on any regular, you know, every fifth day or Christopher Sanchez. I mean, they've, they've done serviceable jobs, but I just don't know how sustainable it is. And I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of of the opinion that you can never have enough starting pitching. And if you put like Luis Castillo into a, a rotation with Wheeler Nola, and then you have the four or five that you do now. That's that's pretty good staff. And if you don't do that, or if you don't get anybody at all, um, you you have the depth problem, and you're just waiting. You're hoping it doesn't come back to bite. But if it does, 
like the 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 reason why there's they've been in, in the position that they have been since they lost Harper is that the pitching's been locked down. Yeah. Like the, both in the especially the bullpen. All, especially the bullpen. But the starting staff has been pretty good too. You just yeah. you don't want to lose that. So yeah, I think and then you're getting enough pieces back on the offensive side and it's actually like not that bad. Like the offense is not that bad. It's actually pretty good. Um and you know, you're, you're, you're going to be getting Segura back. You're hoping to get Harper back at some point. Like, I think the offense is, is in an okay spot. The bottom of the lineup has been doing pretty well. I think you can never have enough starting start too much starting pitching. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I do think they would benefit from picking up a starter here. Um, kind of wild that we're not like, saying the bullpen is the priority right now, but it's kind of, it's solidified itself. Really. It has, I wouldn't, Alvarado's looked excellent. Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to them adding another. uh, I think they will. I think they will pick up at least someone, but it's not like, it's not this disaster that needs fixing. Like people thought it would be, I think. I think it'll be the same, the same kind of move that they've been making the last few years, which is, Maybe maybe it's not quite to the Heath Henry Brandon Workman low, but I don't know how. Like maybe like the 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 Aaron Loop type or something like that. Yeah. So I at the deadline, I think that adding an infielder should be a priority. Um, maybe not at the level of starting pitcher, but I really do think so. The point they're at right now is like I don't think they can keep trotting out Didi Gregorius the way they have been. And I, um, I think even when you get Segura back, like they could just use an extra bat in the infield where if Segura doesn't look right, if Stott's going cold, if Bohm doesn't look right, just another competent bat that they can roll out there, um, like would be a big help because they've gone, they, they've had infielders go through some like big slumps and it just hasn't worked all the time. So I think adding somebody, uh, Somebody in the infield move around a little bit can hit at just like an average level would be a really big help. Yeah. It, it especially depends on when you're getting uh, Gene back because when, when he's back, like is DD out of the lineup when Gene gets back, is it just Gene at second and start at short or I would them? think so. I you would think, think so, so for right? the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, Hoskins has been good. Bohm has been pretty good too. Obviously, you have a lot of guys in there who, like Stodd and Bohm especially, and I mean obviously Hoskins, but like you're not going to take him out of the lineup all that much. Like you have you have a fair amount of guys in there who, a fair number of guys in there who like can get really cold for a week or two at a time. And I think you're right that if you had, you know, another bat to sort of plug in there, it would help. I don't know if you necessarily need to add an everyday starter at this point though. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it has to be like a solidified starter, but even like, like a step up from the Freddie Galvis you added last year, I think like somebody, a similar type of player, but maybe a little better. That seems reasonable. Is who I am, is the kind of player I'm thinking of. Yeah, that seems, that seems reasonable. All right. So obviously we don't know right now who the players they'll add will be exactly have an idea of who they might be but overall looking ahead at the second half they have the cubs coming up first starting friday you look you look 
towards the second half. What are you thinking right now? Any predictions and what's your outlook for this team going forward? Okay, can we can we start doing standings watch? I always want to yeah. do this on like every pod, but it's always like we should wait another week or two. <laughs> okay, right now you have the East is a wrap. I mean, it's either the Mets or, or the Braves. It's not. Yeah, it's not this team though. Definitely, you have you have the Braves in the first wild card at plus six, the Padres at plus two, then uh, the Phillies and the Cardinals are tied, and the Giants are half half a game back. The Marlins just got swept by the Phillies last weekend and they're five and a half back now. And then every team past them is kind of just bad. Like the Rockies are the next closest at 6.5. To me, it seems like there's four teams for two spots between the Padres, the Phillies, the Cardinals, and the Giants. And I don't think the Cardinals are that good. They, they, they feel like one of those teams that's going to be in it because they're the Cardinals and they're scrappy and they, yeah. they're, they're, they're the Cardinals, you know, they're, they're annoying. They know how to win games and all that. But like, do they feel like a playoff team? They have Goldschmidt. They have Arenado. They have like Ryan Helsley, and then like a bunch of and solid they're like players. Missing, like Carl, they're missing good. Yachty right now. Yeah, yeah. Miles, I, I, I can kind of see. Good. I can, can kind of see, see the drop off though. Yeah, like I think I think the Phillies are a better team than the than the, than the Cardinals, and like I think they're a better team than the Giants too. I. I think, I think the Phillies are going to get that third that third wild card spot because you're going to have the Padres getting uh, Fernando Tatis back. But like the Padres aren't invincible either. They're good, but they're yeah. Like I could I could see one of those teams hopping the Padres for that spot. And then when you throw in the schedule, they're playing you know blah blah blah. They have an easy schedule. We do this all the time, but they're actually beating bad teams now. We can give them that they're beating bad teams and they're beating good teams too. Like. It, it kind of goes back to what I was, what we were talking about on the last pod, the sort of how good are the Phillies actually, because they started the season on a 68 win pace over 162 games. And since that they've been on a hundred plus win pace, they feel like a good team. Like they, they, they feel like an actually good team. And I don't know if the Cardinals feel like that much better than a 50 and 44, 532 winning percentage team and I don't know if the Giants are that much better than 48 and 43 it feels like the Phillies are like even better than the way they've 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 been playing so far and they've been looking pretty good yeah I think I'm with you I don't I would guess their win total by the end of the season probably hovers around like 88 yeah which gets it done I think which I think gets it done 90 feels like the really safe number to get in, but 88 should get you in, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think 88 sounds right, but also I feel like 90 is more like I could see 90 more than I could see 86 if that makes sense. The Phillies winning? Yeah. 90? Yeah. Like I think they're I think they're closer to a 90 win team than they are to a low to mid 80s win team. I'm not sure. Um I could definitely see it though, especially if they especially make if you get Harper back. Additions. Yeah, if you make some yeah. ads and then you get Harper and Gene back, like if they could know. get we we talked about this like I don't know two months now. If they could get anything out of Nick Castellanos, like anything, anything. What they was haven't the meme, it yet? What, what was the Moneyball scene that you sent me? It was it was it was it was it was, it was Brad oh, Pitt it, saying. If he's a good hitter, why doesn't he hit good? Yes, exactly. That's <laughs> and you were like, "This is you about Nick Castellanos." And uh, you yeah, know what? Me. I didn't have anything to say because you're right. 
You're right. You're right. Yeah, he has to just be better. He has to be better. Yeah. He's a good hitter. Like he has to just hit good. That's all it comes down to. And I do think we've talked about this a lot, but he feels like one of the biggest like keys to the second half. If they can get him progressing to the mean a little bit, having a better second half, jump starting this offense a little bit more. I think they could be in for an exciting second half. I really I, do. I agree. I don't think it's as much when when Harper first got hurt, I was like, this season is gonna ride or die with Nick Castellanos' bat. I don't think that's true anymore. And the reason is the bullpen. If yeah. if the bullpen is actually this good, he can be he could be what he's been now, and I could still see them making I could still fathom them making the playoffs and if the bullpen keeps this up and the starting staff keeps this up and the offense around him doesn't completely crater and he gets that that uh OPS up to what seven seven fifty seven sixty seven seventy like they're they're in the playoffs yeah I think it's pretty I agree the bullpen we we've touched on a little bit but that, that really is like the big key to their success right now I think because you kind of figure that they would have a good rotation and they have good hitters. They added good hitters, but the bullpen's really been key. I think the all-star break was pretty well-timed for Sir Anthony Dominguez, like a couple shaky outings near the end um, of the first half. And I think he'll be back on track, maybe not as good as the first half for him because he was really excellent. But as a whole, I just think like this unit right now, the way they're operating is like, they're, they're really just firing all on all cylinders and if they can keep this up. It's yeah. I'm with you. Like they could win 90 yeah. games or so. And the bullpen, it seems like it makes sense too, because you have guys that throw hard and have good stuff. It wasn't like that one year. I think it was 2019 or 20 when your best uh, arm there was Blake Parker and then you watched him pitch and it's just it 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 20, 2019 like yeah 2019 it, they had the second best uh or sorry was like the fourth best fourth best second half bullpen ERA in the National League if you check baseballreference.com and yeah. they were trotting out the Jared Hughes's the Mike Morins the Blake Parkers of the world yeah and they were the, good I mean, but this feels days, more legit yeah those were the days when you threw out Blake Parker and you watch him pitch and you're like it it, it you're like, I could, I could hit this. Obviously not, but it, he just, he, something about him looked like he was just lobbing it in there every single time. Like his, his fastball looked like a slider, but that didn't slide. So it was him just carving guys up. And then you had like Ramon Rosso and you're like, okay, he's getting shelled, but this guy's disgusting. He's going to be a piece of this bullpen for a long time. That bullpen, yeah. that, okay. That bullpen was bad. People underrate how little sense it made. Because you had guys in there with, this is. yeah, yeah, twenty twenty. Because you had guys in there with actually good stuff like Ramon Rosso, but he got shelled. And then you yeah. had Blake Parker, who was good. It didn't make it. Whatever. It didn't make yeah. any sense. But no, back to my you. point. My I'm point is that Do you remember my, real quick, real quick, Jojo Romero, who's back, and yeah. people think back. He's like one of the bright spots of twenty twenty. God, he came in. He was like throwing hard. He looked nasty. Is he erasing like the mid sevens? <laughs> it was hilarious it was a hilarious bullpen yeah but back to my point the the 2022 bullpen feels like it makes sense like i watch i don't know 
Corey Knievel pitch. And I'm like, okay, he throws 97 with what now is a pretty good curveball. And you watch like Bilotti and you're okay. The slider's gross. And you watch Alvarado and it's wow, that's disgusting. And you watch Sir Anthony and it's, he's throwing 99, hundred. It makes sense. That's why I don't think, look, they're not, I don't think they're as good as they've been for the last month and a half. But like, I think that they're a good bullpen and they're eighth yeah. in ERA in baseball. Like, like Brad Hand is probably going to give up a homer at some point. Like he hasn't yeah. done that. Sir Anthony probably won't keep like this mid one ZRA that he's had. But yeah. in general, like they seem to be pretty solid. That's a big yeah. help. Yeah. There'll be some, help. I don't know how, like every time Albert Pujols stepped to the plate against Brad Hand, it felt like he was going to go yard. And then he hit one to the warning track that Schwarber ironically caught right at the fence and it's they're 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 getting those breaks and in the moments when you feel like this is like uh Knievel pitching out of that first and third nobody out in the one zero win over the Cardinals yeah it's I don't know but no. but again it makes sense it like they 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 look good yeah I'm with you um any other second half predictions I guess I guess the big second half question um well the biggest one is are they finally going to break this playoff drought and i think we've kind of answered and i think we're both leaning yes that they are going to do that yeah i'm i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna come on here and say i would be shocked if the phillies missed the playoffs but if i had to put if i had to bet on it right now i'd say yeah they feel like a wild card team yeah so i guess the second biggest question for the second half is is Rob Thompson going to be the manager next season? And maybe those two questions are like one in the same, but yeah. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on Topper? If he gets into the playoffs, it's hard not to, because the, the players seem to like him and he, yeah. they were 22 and 29 when he took over. It was a disaster. And maybe that speaks more on how poorly the previous uh, manager did rather than the current one. But there, however way you want to you slice it, taking a team that's 22 and 29 to the playoffs is a pretty good accomplishment. And yeah. having it turn around as fast as it did, it's a pretty big deal. I think if, the, if they make the playoffs, he deserves – yeah, he, he, I think – I think you got to keep him in the job. And even if they miss it by a game or two, that's where the good, that's where I think the discussion gets interesting. If they just come short, do they, do they think back and say, well, here's where we were like in May or was it early June, whatever. This is where we were (laughs) at one point in the season. And this is where we ended up like one game short of the playoffs, something like that. Does that, get him a job past this season. And I think some of the reporting when they ended up firing Kapler was that John Middleton like flew out to go see JT Real Muto and like he'd been in touch with some of the, the bigger players in the clubhouse. And I think that partially makes sense when it comes down to making a managerial decision. Like there should be some talks with players. Like, is this the guy that you think is right in the clubhouse. And I think externally, it feels like most of the players would be on that side for keeping Rob Thompson. So yeah, I'm, 
I think he does end up staying. Yeah, I could see it. I just think it it's interesting who it becomes a referendum on. Like, is it is it Thompson or is it Joe Girardi? Because obviously, if it's a referendum on 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 the latter, then it's like, you know, it's like, did they turn around because of Thompson or because it wasn't Joe Girardi? You know, well, can it be both? Yeah, sure. Why not? I think I think it can. I think it can. I be think both. it's I think it's reasonable to expect that they would have improved after the firing but maybe not to the to the extent that they have does that make sense yeah and maybe some of it i think part of it is like when things are going well your clubhouse is just better Mm -hmm. like oftentimes a culture people talk a lot about culture and like how good a clubhouse chemistry is or stuff like that but i think winning breeds a good culture more so than the other way around and it's like, yeah. maybe they just got hot at the right time. And that's what made them believe in Thompson. But like, it's a, they did get hot at the right time. It's quite a coincidence. It's quite a coincidence that they, it, they lose either six way, straight, then Girardi gets fired or five straight, whatever it was. Then he gets fired. Then they win nine straight and go in this tear. Either way, if the players are like in on Thompson and they're playing well under him, like he's pulling the right strings on the bullpen right now. I think I think he should be the guy going forward. Yeah, I think he's good. I but the, he's good. I guess there's no real reason that you'd have to pull the interim title away right now. Like, just get as much no. evidence as yeah. you can. If yeah. they're if they're playing well under the interim manager right now, there's no need to no. mess with that until the season's over. I don't think. Yeah, because maybe maybe there's something to maybe they're they're taking this as a. We're trying to, because when Girardi got fired, a lot of them, this is natural, but like a, a lot of them said, we felt like we just lost a guy his job, which yeah, they kind of did. Like the players underperformed. They were not good. So I, I understand mm-hmm. why they felt like they were partially to blame for him losing his job. That doesn't mean he shouldn't have lost his job, but like, yeah. th- I understand why they felt that way. Maybe there's something to the opposite effect now where it's like, we have to actively fight to keep this guy his job. And if you make him the, the, the full-time manager now, then they felt like they've done that. And then do they just ease up and be like, okay, we've sort of righted the wrong there? Maybe. I, I don't think exactly because I think at that point, I think they can start to feel like the how close they are and like, all right, like this playoff drought can really be ended. Not that a ton of them have been there forever or anything like that. But the guys who have been around long enough, I think they can definitely feel it like, all right, this might be the year. Like we actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I have a question about the playoff drought. Sure. I'm not of the opinion that it would feel like a fraud because there's an extra wild card team. Like if they so. got in as the, as the six seed and then, like I wouldn't feel like they didn't actually break it where I kind of hesitate and I still think it would count and it would be cool. It would be kind of disappointing if they were to make the playoffs finally, and then go on the road for a three game set as the six, three and lose it and never play a home game. It would be, I think it would be disappointing for a lot. It of would people, still count. It would, but it would definitely count. count. Yeah. And it would I still also count. don't think they feel like a team that the, bigger issue is going to be getting in 
but I think they're going to be, they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs if they make it, because I think the like top two in their rotation is going to be hard for a lot of people to beat. If it ended right now, they play the Brewers. Yeah. And then the, if they won, they would get the Mets in the second round. Yeah. Mets without DeGrom because he got another setback and you never know. Yeah. It's rough. So rough. Um, any, any other second half thoughts before we wrap this up? Any hot takes, any bold predictions real quick off the top of the head? Uh, I think Dombrowski gets really aggressive and I think somebody at the top gets dealt. It feels like we've been, this isn't like, I, I'm not taking credit for like feeling like this because I feel like, like every every Phillies fan and every Phillies podcast has also mentioned it, but it feels like he hasn't made that huge move yet, that like Dombrowski move. And it feels like it's going to happen this year because I think actually the priority now is just making the playoffs. I think there is a lot of the fan base that, that say that says they can make the playoffs and just get swept. And I won't care. (laughs) Obviously they'll care and they'll want them to want them to win and go deep and maybe win a world series. Who knows? But like just getting to the playoffs is so important right now. And I think a lot of people would be content with that. Here's, here's my bold prediction. And this might surprise you because I've been on this pod fairly critical of him. I think JT Rumido is going to turn it on in the second half. We've been seeing signs of that. I think he's, I think he's going to go on a tear. I think he's going to go on a tear. Yeah, I could see that's my bold prediction that he's going to like, do you remember the second half of 2019 when him and Harper both turned it on? I think Ramito's going to give them something like that. And that would be really big. I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that pretty much does it, right? No, no, think- no, 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 no. What else do you have there? We, we talked about bullpens, relievers, and we talked about clubhouse dynamics, organizational dysfunction, and – we have to combine the two because the biggest <laughs> news this week, yeah, Kyle Schwarber at the you know all-star game festivities, Juan Soto with the contract stuff. Dude, the biggest news with Jonathan Papelbon this week. <laughs> do you want to break it down a little bit? What yeah. happened? So basically, Jonathan Papelbon does this interview, this, this story. And I think the one who really like noticed it on Philly's Twitter was John Stolness. So he, he got a little screen grab of what Papelbon said. And he basically said the Phillies have been, uh, we can't swear on the podcast, a bleep show, a bleep show. Um, ever since he said he saw it when, when, when he was there and the organization has always been a bleep show and Bryce Harper is not really a leader because quote, he wasn't really a leader when I played with him in Washington. Now, mind you, the year is 2022. <laughs> Jonathan Papelbon was last on this team in 2015. He was last on Bryce Harper's team in 2016. Yes, the Phillies were really bad in 2015. They went, that was, they were 90, they were 63 and 99 that season, right? Because Moniak was the, was the 2016 draft. Or was he 2015 draft? He was 2016. So 20, 20, yeah, 2016. So they were bad in 20. And yeah, they were a bleep show at that point. There's no denying that. 
Bryce Harper was also 22, 21, 21 or 22. Early 20s. When Jonathan Papelbon last played with him. And then he was like critiquing the, the Joe Girardi firing as if something like that is proof. When he said they're a bleep show, look what happened. They fired their manager in the middle of the, of the season. As long as that stuff keeps on happening, they're never going to win in Philadelphia, which is just but, dumb. But they've turned because, it. They've turned it but on. They've turned it around. Yeah. Like, have you been watching the team for the last month and a half? And also, it's 2022, dude. You haven't been there in seven years. How can you say that? Yeah, it makes. I'm with you. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think some of this reinforces like my idea that winning solves a lot of this stuff like it probably was probably was a mess when they were starting to fall apart they definitely were a mess when they were starting to fall apart and Papelbon kind of got there like right after right after the heyday and what he saw was probably a little more dysfunctional when players started to go down uh and stuff like that Jonathan Papelbon probably one of the better relievers in Philly's history and we're not doing this now definitely we're not doing this but definitely one of like the least popular Phillies oh, yeah. in, in a long time yeah maybe right so based on these yeah comments. when you when you compare like production to how, what's what's the word uh popularity yeah he's like all time and it was all of it was justified all of it yeah he was good though in in my opinion yeah he was he was good. All-time Philly saves leader. <laughs> That's oh. funny. That is funny. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you have all your, right. your, your Papelbon stuff out? Yeah, that was all. It was just oh, like normally that stuff doesn't really annoy me because it's just like guys trying to stir the pot. It's just like, like ridiculous. It is really ridiculous. So ridiculous. That guy. Yeah, that I, I got it out of the way. Thanks for thanks. That's a, a World Series champion and a, a franchise leader in saves, Jonathan Papelbon. Yeah, somebody, I like tweeted about this and somebody comments, yeah, Jonathan Papelbon definitely doesn't know what it takes to win and be a successful organization, right? Like sarcastically. And I'm like, that's not the point. The point <laughs> is that he hasn't been a Philly in seven years or Bryce yeah. Harper's teammate in six years. In a long time. Anyway. All right. <laughs> All right, I think that'll do it for this episode. Second half coming up. Yeah, Let me add one more note. I, right. I think it's funny how our longest pod of the season is when the majority of what we, we talked about wasn't even actual baseball games. Is this our We're longest like, pod? Yeah, we are pushing an hour. That's, we probably had one yeah. longer than this, but it's one definitely one of them. It's what we like to, like to do. Sometimes it's yeah. when you – we don't have to talk about the games. We can just talk about – the stuff around it that's more this fun sometimes a, anyways this was a storyline heavy week i was yes. excited for this spot it was good it was good yeah and thank you to everyone who listened to this episode second half coming up we'll talk to you next time